awesome are your deeds. He's reminding us of some of the deeds that God has done, mainly in his, his, um, in his redemption of his people, saving them, redeeming them from slavery in Egypt. And, of course, that's a picture for believers of God's rescuing of us from sin. So let's take a look at this. <clears throat> Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. And so the, the word goes out to, to announce to everyone, give God the praise. Shout for joy. Sing glory. Give to him glorious praise. Not just uh, you know, uh, average praise. <laughs> Give him glorious praise because he's deserving. Now he's going to tell you why he's deserving of that. Verse 3, say to God how awesome are your deeds. Remember I talked about how Psalms helps put into words. It's a poetry, but it helps put into words uh, our various expressions in our Christian walk. And here's a, an expression. Uh, expression of praise to God. If you don't know uh, how to praise, read through Psalms like this and just do what it says or just reflect the words. Uh, they're already so beautifully written. Um, they're words of praise. And this is one that we can echo and should echo. In fact, the Psalms are written to be sung. And here's one that, that we can sing. It just sounds like a song. Um, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come clinging, uh, cringing, excuse me, to you. What's that? Cringing, I'm sorry. Cringing to you. Um, and so that shows God's power even over his enemies. Uh, verse 5, he invites everyone to come and see. Come and see. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. Um, and then the state, some of the things that God has done, verse 6, he turned the sea into dry land. Verse 7, he rules by his might forever, he, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. I, I like that, that note. God's eyes keeps watch on the nations. I watch the news, and you see so many things that's going on around the world, the different nations, and it's so comforting to know that God has it all under control. There's not some rogue nation that's, that's just out of reach to God. God has it all under control. Um, uh, last week I was talking to um, Stephan and Robin. I talked to them over the phone and just to hear how they're doing and, and hear how they have moved from, from their land of ministry to, to, uh, to another place, to Thailand. Um, but they're still ministering or they're still setting up for ministry. And it's just a comfort to know, no matter what happens all around the world, that God is still in control. They were telling me they're 13 hours ahead of us. So um, it's, it's um, Thursday morning there. So, you know, it's, it's 7.20 here or it's 8.20 in the a.m. Thursday morning there. And uh, God is still in control. He's, he's right with them. He's right with us. And nothing is, is out of his reach. He keeps an eye. He keeps a watch on the nations. Verse 8. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Isn't that good to sing that way? 
let, let praise ring forth from, from our voices. Let it be heard. Let it be said, spoken by us, and let it be heard um, by others. A couple things he, he says that God has done. Verse 9, who has kept our soul among the living. <laughs> I like that. God keeps us alive. We can all uh, think back and how God has delivered us in some type of way. Um, spiritually, he has saved us from, from death, from spiritual death and, and the uh, consequence of, of sin or the judgment of sin in our lives. Um, but that's not all that he's done. If that was all, that would be enough, more than enough. But he's also delivered us physically in so many different ways. In fact, we, we breathe and we live because God has de uh, deemed it so. And so he is keeping us alive. He's keeping our, our soul and our very bodies alive. I like what he says, verse 9. Um, at the end of verse 9, has not let our feet slip. <laughs> There's a patch of ice on my back uh, walk going from the, from the back door to the uh, garage. And, um, you know, so I think about, think about slipping. And says, God won't let our feet slip. And, and it's not just talking about in literal ways of not slipping on ice, but he's talking about what it feels like when we slip on ice, what that feels like in life. In life, it seems like we're going along, we're not, expecting, we're not expecting the unexpected, and we can really get, uh, 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 we can really come to, to a hard fall and be damaged and hurt in some kind of way. Um, it, it happens in so many different ways with us, whether it's car trouble, uh, whether it's health trouble that comes on. I look at Mickey when I look at the health trouble, look at Brian and Heidi when I talk about car trouble. Um, just, just different things that come up that can kind of just make us slip and, and hurt ourselves. But it says he, he, he won't let those things, um, he won't let us be crushed by that. He will, has not let our feet slip. And it says what he has done. You, O oh God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. So talking about some of the trials, and I think about our series in Job, and I think about these trials, um, each of us go through some kind of hardship in life. And that's, that's what life is. If we think that um, life is going to be easy all the time and we won't have any troubles, then we have the wrong idea of what life is. We need to teach ourselves. We need to teach our children. And, and we don't have to be, you know, um, we don't have to be, have a negative attitude and a down attitude on, on life to know that life has its troubles associated. But it's good to know that and expect certain things so that we're not caught off guard and we're not discouraged so much when it happens. We know that those things are a part of life. But notice what it says with that. It doesn't end there. Verse 11, you brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet, yet, you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I like the yet. There is a yet in your life as well. You might be going through struggles right now. You might be tired right now. You might have thought of not coming. There's some folks who ain't here because they didn't believe the yet. You have to trust the yet, and that allows you to be here and to work through those, that fire and that water 
and that net and that uh, people kicking you and all that, that that it's talking about here. Because of that, what does he do? The last part of this chapter talks about how he praises God. Um, filled with I wills. I will. Look at the I will statements in verse 13. 13 on through uh, 19, 13 through uh, 15. I will what? Come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. So he's talking about I'm going to worship God. I'm going to serve God regardless of those trials or with those trials because I know because of the yet, because what God does and how he sustains me, I am going to serve him I'm going to worship him. Notice what I uh, want to point this out. Verse 14. What, what vows is he, he um, committed to doing? That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. So we often get in trouble and we pray to God and we say, Lord, I need you. I want you. Please help me. I will. And then when he does it, we so easily forget, and we ought not to forget. He said he's holding us accountable to the things that we commit to, we ought to do. Those things that we commit, especially what he's saying is we commit when we're in trouble and God comes through his part, we have a part to do. And so he says, I will, and I'm going to do those things. He goes back to, to it in verse 15, I will offer to you burnt offerings of fat animals, the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, I will make an offering of bull, bulls and goats. And so he's using the Old Testament language to say how he's going to worship God. He's going to worship God the way that he has, has uh, uh, prescribed for us. John 4, 24, Jesus says, those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So we need to worship him that way. We don't have to bring a goat or a lamb uh, to church with us and lay it on the altar. But we do have some I wills, and we do have uh, worship and service and offerings to give to him and commitments to make to him. And you're here because of that, and, and you ought to be worshiping God um, with that as well. <clears throat> then the invitation again to all, verse 16. In, in, in verse 5, he said, come and see. Verse 16 says, come and hear. Come and hear, all you who fear God. And I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Um, now here he, he speaks about prayer. And I'm going to tie it into prayer tonight. I cried to him with my mouth. And high praise was on my tongue. But he says, I prayed. And the, the end of that is in verse 19. And God heard. God listened. I, I cried. I had high praise. Verse 19. But truly, God has listened he has attended to the voice of my prayer. So we pray tonight, don't we? We come here to pray, and we have some, some important things to pray. We pray on behalf of others. We pray on behalf of ourselves. And those are some important things to pray. And, and we, we can pray in confidence that God hears what we pray. And we pray according, according to his will. And then he says, how we pray according to his will. Verse 18, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. That's important, isn't it? Um, God hears our requests 
when we turn our hearts to him. But if we, if we hold iniquity, if we hold on to sin, um, then he will not hear us. It's not that he's incapable of hearing a prayer. It's that he's not going to respond to those kinds of prayers. Um, so there is, a, um, there is a condition, a prerequisite for us as we pray tonight. And that is to let loose of any sin. Um, I kind of think of it this way. You can't, you, you definitely can't be, there can't be anything that you're holding on to that you're going to do after this day, that you plan on sinning. I remember once, I, I, I had one, one fight in high school, and it wasn't, it wasn't much of a fight. Um, a guy was playing around too much, and he hit me when I wasn't expecting it. And, uh, um, and so by the time we were about to get into it, we were all held back. And so um, the, uh, the uh, teacher sent us to, to the principal, and the principal, of course, knew me. I was a very good student. He knew I wasn't a troublemaker, and he didn't know so much about the next guy. Um, and so here in the principal's office, we're talking, and uh, you know, basically the principal's saying, okay, this is going to be ended, right? And I didn't say <laughs> I looked at the guy, and I basically said, it's more coming. There is more to come. That's kind of a picture of us holding on. When we're in the principal's office, we like, okay, I ain't going to say nothing. But in my heart, man, I'm going to get you. As soon as I have opportunity, you, you dead me. Uh, and, and that's basically what I was holding on to. Sometimes we pray, like, Lord, give me this, give me this. But in our minds, we're holding on to something we're going to do that we know the Lord doesn't want us to do. And that's what he's saying. If I regard, if I hold on to iniquity, God is not hearing me. And it's the same thing here. If you know that there is something that you need to turn from, um, then don't pray and change your mind and turn back to it because you really didn't change your mind. You never turned from it. And God's not hearing that prayer. How important is prayer? It's, it's too important to let sin get in the way. If we're not praying for ourselves, we may be praying for on behalf of others. It's too important that God hear our prayer for us to be stuck on sin. And so you got to let it go. That guy who, who bothered me, I had to let that go. I didn't want to, uh, but it wasn't worth it. Um, and so we have to let sin go in order for us to pray and to um, hear, uh, for God to hear and answer our prayer. But he does promise, verse 19, God, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. That's a cause for rejoicing tonight, and that's a cause for encouragement to pray, that we, uh, we can pray and we know that God hears our prayers. Good evening, saints. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. 
Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. good one of the things that's always a sign to me when people come into church is they may often talk about themselves or try to draw attention to themselves and that is a good sign that the person is not what they say they are it's um, one guy in my job he says that any time that a driver, before he knows him, tells him how hard a worker he is, he's guaranteed that that guy is not a hard worker. And his track record has never been wrong yet. The phrase that we say on a job, and the drivers know it, so they say it to us. They say, that guy, I'm a runner. That means you work hard. I'm a runner. And his saying is that any time that somebody tells him he's a runner, before he has done anything, it's a guarantee that that guy's not a runner. Why is he often right? I don't think it's an absolute rule, but it is something that is more true than not. We gotta ask ourselves, there's a guy on a job he has what I like to call a, I don't know if it's a verbal tick, but it's just something that he always says. No matter what he's saying, we make fun of it, but he always says for real at the end of it. He'll say, man, I was doing this for real. And he just always puts for real at the end of his statements. And from the first time I met him, I knew that he was a liar because he said that. Because why would his verbal tick be to say for real? I never have to say for real or I swear to God or I'm serious now because I'm always telling the truth. But if you're used to lying, you're using to have to reassure people with something else you have to say for real because you might have said something without saying for real before and people say oh that's a lie so now you have to add something on top of it people who come to church they know they're being fake so they have to convince themselves and you that they're not being fake they say, I'm going to be holy this time. Oh, no, you don't know, Brian. Yeah, the Lord been telling me this and that and that. And I just, I'll be thinking to myself, I don't remember asking you any of this stuff. But go ahead and live in peace. But I think to myself, this person is not a runner. Oftentimes, 
declaration of what doesn't need to be declared means that the intention of the heart is to lie. That's what it means. The person who has to show you how righteous they are is probably not righteous. The person who has to tell them tell you how beautiful they are is probably not beautiful. The person who has to convince you how hard a worker they are is probably not a hard worker. The person who has to convince you how tired they are is probably lazy. These are natural things that happen. So let's just circle back to what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Now, I'll notice that in this passage, he doesn't tell us to beware of others that practice their righteousness before other people. He tells us to beware. Because... Believe it or not, the liar hurts themselves more than they hurt anybody else. A lie corrupts and twists the soul. I think we won't even know how much the sins that we do hurt us until we get into heaven. But as we lie and we practice lying, I believe that we are slowly conforming ourselves into the image of Satan. And nothing is worse than when you lie to yourself because now you can't even trust yourself anymore. And that means your inner dialogue you can't even trust. It's not something that you can say. And so are saints. That's why we commend open statement of the truth. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. I refuse to practice cunning, but I commend myself with open statement of the truth. He said he wouldn't use the word of God in underhanded ways. But he was trying to say, and what he said better than what I'm going to say is this, we have to operate as if God is watching. those who don't operate as if God is watching show that they don't believe that God is watching which means they do not believe but those who do something wrong and nobody sees but their heart is pricked they declare by their reaction that they really believe that God saw what they did and when they repent even though nobody saw what they did they show that they truly believe in the invisible God. Good evening, the faithful few. Um, today, let's um, have our prayer focus be um, just again on the people dealing with illnesses, I'm in the church, so I'm assuming John is not here because there's a lot of a lot of sickness going around, so that's a one as well. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I said her. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah. Pray for Trevor. Yep. Pray for that. So. 
still a lot of ailments we're dealing with in here. Um, so what we'll do is, yeah. yeah, well, pray for Mac too, his dialysis. Yep, pray for that. Um, Dwayne, how you been doing? an ailment, but still pray for her, because health is important. Um, and then um, let's include two, um, Robin and Stefan, too, since all the stuff going on, we're on that side of the country with the viruses and stuff, and Robin being pregnant. Also. So, that's a lot. We'll have, how about we do like we did before, we just do quick prayers, and then I'll, I'll wait for like a minute and if no one prays and I'll close it up, okay? So as many people want to pray, we pray. We just continue in prayer. We just lift up um, a lot of people in the church who are dealing with some illnesses. Um, I lift up first and foremost um, Miss Minnie and her health issue and praying on them and too burdensome on them. I ask that you be with um, the expecting mothers as Patty's coming close to her due date, and Robin is pregnant um, over there uh, in Asia, Lord. We ask that you just give birth to some healthy babies, Lord, and just be with Robin and Stefan as um, the disease is just, the virus is just going on over there, Lord, that you just continue to keep them safe, allow them to continue to do your work. I ask that you be with um, a lot of the people who are dealing with just regular illnesses that in the church, Lord, you know as real as are. We thank you for Michael's good diagnosis, that it's not a big issue, Lord. We just praise you for answering that prayer. Praise you for healing uh, Mickey and um, healing Willie, that Mickey's allowed to be back with us. Lord, I ask that you just continue to just be with Dwayne, and thank you for helping him feel better, Lord. And um, the little Jojo, too, as Aaron said, just thank you that um, you've been keeping your hand upon him, Lord, and just seem like we're just dealing with a lot, Lord, and it's just part of life, Lord, with our um, frail bodies and um, just how life is, Lord. But we just continue to praise you for keeping us, continue to help um, praise you for helping us recover from our illnesses, Lord. And um, we just ask that you continue to just bless this church, even though we're going through some health troubles. In your name we pray. Amen.